Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. So I am going to talk tonight about this idea called Sabbath, okay? So when you ask someone, how are you? When you say like, hey, how's it going? Or how are you? You get usually like a couple of responses. What's the first one you hear? Good, right? What's another one you hear? Tired or busy, fine, busy, good, busy, good. Man, I'm tired, but good, you know, right? So would y'all, do y'all hear that a lot? Busy, tired, right? That's kind of our life as students, right, if we're being honest. So um, you guys are students, so how many of you feel busy? Yeah, really? It's, I was about to say, it is the week before fall break. Y'all are lying if you say you don't feel busy, right? How many of you have ever felt like you like can't take a day off? You're like, dude, I cannot get done all the, I can't take time off. I can't get done all the things that are on my to-do list. Um, how many of you have ever had a break and you're like, what should I be doing right now? I have time off, but like I need to be doing something, right? Like you're stressed because you actually don't have anything in that moment to do and you're really overwhelmed by it, right? Um, I have felt that. I have lived that. I'm with you. Uh, You're not alone. So a few years ago, I stumbled on this quote by Dallas Willard that really resonated with me. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I was like, wow. That's a super profound statement, right? Would you agree with that statement? So what is your biggest hurdle to spending time with God? If you're anything like me, it's, it's time, right? It's, it's making the time to do it and finding the time to do it. So like, I'll stay up too late, right? And then I'm like, oh man, I'm snoozing that alarm the next morning when I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I'm like, you know, God, he'll forgive me. It's fine. And then so it's like, I stay up too late and then I snooze my alarm and then I start like heading into my day and I just don't, I, I don't make time for the Lord because I'm just too busy. I've got too many things going on. Um, and uh, and I, surely I'm not alone in that, right? Like it's, it's a struggle to make time to find time with the Lord, which we've talked about, you know, over the last few weeks. How do we make time to read the Bible? How do we, how do we pray? How do we work this into our schedules? Um, but I love this other quote by an amazing woman of God called, named Corey Ten Boom. She is incredible. And she said, if the devil can't make us bad, he will make us busy. I was like, oh, mic drop, right? Like, that's intense. And what she's saying there is a lot of us as Christians and as followers of Jesus, we're not bad. We're not bad people. We're not doing bad things. But sometimes we're so busy, the devil can use that to distract us from time with the Lord. Because I don't think it's coincidental that most of the ways that we connect with God require a level of stillness and quiet and solitude, right? Because we're not going to stumble upon that in our daily life. We're not going to accidentally have an extra moment of this peaceful, still time, right? That rarely happens in our natural life. It takes incredible intentionality to slow down enough to practice the spiritual disciplines that help feed our faith, right? Uh, So how do we do it? How do we slow down? How do we make sure that we're not so busy that we're distracted from the things of God? I have found a practice in the last few years that's been really helpful for me to begin to train myself to just tap the brakes a little bit. And that is the practice called Sabbath. And shocker, it is actually something that God already commanded of his followers, something that God already told us to do. So let's talk through what is Sabbath. 
What is Sabbath? So Sabbath is a day of rest, and it was an incredibly important part of Jewish culture and something that God commanded of them in Deuteronomy 6, 12 through 15. So let's read through this. It says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, donkeys, and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All of your male and female servants must rest as you do. I think that's really cool. It's like even the people who work for you are not allowed to work. Um, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. And that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So that's a pretty powerful verse. That's a pretty powerful command from the Old Testament. And I love about verse 15 that it says, remember that you once were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out. He brought you out of Egypt. So like, think of this. As God commanded this over them, he knew they were coming from a context where they literally never got a day off. They literally, I mean, he rescued them from slavery. And as this gift to show them the freedom that they had found in him, he not only gave them a day off, but he commanded a day off for their entire culture, their entire households, everyone around them. He's such a good father, right? Um, And here we are in the same boat centuries later, and uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I do feel like I'm a little bit of a slave to my schedule, right? Like sometimes I'm like, man, it's do this thing and then then finish this thing and then master this to-do list and all these things, and yet God still beckons us to take the day off. God still actually commands it. But almost all Christians I know, especially American Christians, break this command. Um, And actually, we kind of celebrate the fact that we break it, right? We kind of like brag about like, oh man, yeah, I haven't had a day off in weeks or whatever. And when I speak about Sabbath, I've noticed that a lot of Christians tend to like bristle a little bit, like they get a little uncomfortable and, uh, and they start to come up with reasons why Sabbath isn't a command that we should follow anymore. Um, and the biggest argument that I hear is like, well, that's for the Old Testament. I mean, like they, they also told us not to eat bacon, but like we eat bacon now. So like we don't have to do Sabbath. It's not a command anymore. And, um, and I do, I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's have a little history lesson real quick, okay? So as Christian scholars studied the Old and the New Testaments, they categorized three different types of laws listed in the Old Testament, okay? So these three types of laws, categories, were first ceremonial law, civil or judicial law, and moral law. So the ceremonial law had to do with um, things having to do with being clean and unclean, like things like what should the Israelites eat or not eat? What should they wear? What is the manner in which they should worship? Ways they should cleanse themselves from sin, things like that. So it was more of like the religious laws and practices. Um, So it was things like don't eat pork, don't eat clothing with mixed fabrics, which I'm like, but why? Like, I don't understand, but whatever, it was a rule. Uh, Another one is don't just poop in the street. Please take a shovel and bury your poop outside the camp. Literally a command, okay? I'm here for that command. I think it's a good one. Um, So that was kind of the idea of ceremonial law, was things that were clean and unclean, okay? Civil was like laws as a society and how laws should be upheld in Jewish culture. So like ways... um, 
ways that they should punish different crimes and things like that. So this was things like, hey, when a transgression is, is given against someone, like match the, so it was like eye for an eye, right? The things that, the way they're hurt, like have it happen in reverse. Another one was like, if someone kills someone, they should be put to death, okay? Um, another one is if your neighbor's ox dies while you're borrowing it, you need to replace that ox. So it was just like these kind of like civil commands, kind of these like the way that government should work, the way that laws should work and things like that. And this last court category dealt was called moral law. And this was how people should conduct themselves as people of God. These were things that God saw as evil and unacceptable as a Jewish culture. So like these dealt with really heavy things like murder, incest, adultery, rape, like really, really heavy things. And this was categorized, categorized as moral law. And these were the things that were like non-negotiables according to the Lord. And within the moral law was listed this thing called the Ten Commandments. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay, like if you've been around church much, you've like heard about them. But I wanted to kind of skim through them real quick. So I have them on the screen here. And that's listed in Deuteronomy 5. Um, did you know that... Um, Sabbath is actually in this list. Sabbath is in the list of the Ten Commandments, which is the moral commands of God. So the first one says, I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So he's again reminding them, you were slaves. I rescued you. This is the way I want you to conduct yourself. So for he said, first, don't have any other God but me. Second, don't make an idol or worship anything other than me, okay? And then he goes in to list all the different things. He says, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. The next one is um, observe the Sabbath. That's that, this is that scripture that we just read, okay? So that whole thing of like all that. The next one is honor your father and mother. Ooh, right? <laughs> Whoopsie, that one's in there too. Uh, next is you should not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor or lie. And the last one is you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife or the things that belong to them. So Sabbath is right there in the middle, surrounded by things like don't worship other gods and don't kill people. Like, God was pretty serious about this, I think. Um, and like we just said, breaking Sabbath is actually something that we as American Christians kind of brag about. Like, yeah, I was just so busy. I like haven't had a, a day off in weeks, right? But if we're okay with disregarding this moral command, why are we also not okay with disregarding the others, right? There would be some pretty serious moral implications if we disregarded all of these other laws. Um, so like we should in theory, be okay with that, right? If we're, if we're not doing Sabbath. So like, what if I was like, man, I was just so mad when that guy cut me off in traffic. I just went ahead and killed him. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like, that's not okay. Uh, and I could no longer be a pastor if I broke any of these commands except Sabbath. And if I tell other people that I'm breaking Sabbath regularly, I'm actually like praised for my hustle. Do you think that maybe this is an area where we have let culture influence our views more than we have let the word of God, right? Um, so some people are then thinking like, well, did Jesus command Sabbath? Like, I know it's in the Old Testament, but what about Jesus? Like, what did Jesus have to say about Sabbath? Um, and I would just say that Jesus never intended to abolish the moral laws listed in the Old Testament, okay? He was raised as a Jew, so he would have been raised practicing these laws. Um, and he actually a lot of times took these moral laws further than the Old Testament took them. 
Okay, so like in Matthew 5.17, he said, while, I, while he was on earth, he didn't intend to do away with the laws God made for the Jews, but he intended to fulfill them. And in all of Matthew chapter 5, if you like flip through it, he lists different moral laws and different practices in Jewish culture. And rather than saying we don't have to do that anymore, he actually takes it further. So in verse 21, and I don't have these on there, but um, verse 21, he says, like, you've heard it said don't murder. But I'm going to take it further, and I'm going to say if you even have anger in your heart towards someone, you're guilty of murder. Which is like, oh, dang, like that's, that's rough, right? Uh, and then verse 27 says, you sh- you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. Both of those are on the Ten Commandments, right? And he says, I'm going to tell you that if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery, right? So he's taking these moral laws, and he goes on to talk about loving your enemies, avoiding revenge, keeping vows, not lying. You know, he, so basically, he's listing most of the Ten Commandments and not only saying those are still true, but actually taking them further into holiness. So I would just argue that Jesus never intended for us to do away with those laws, now I know there's someone in here that's like a Bible scholar and they're like, didn't Jesus break the, break the Sabbath? I feel like someone got mad at him for like not honoring the Sabbath. And you're right, kind of, but kind of not. So let's go there. So in uh, Matthew 12, 9 through 13, it says, Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. Because the charge for not upholding the Sabbath was murder. So they were hoping to kill him, um, which we all know is actually the story. Um, so he says, and then he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Okay, so we have this instance where Jesus is breaking the Sabbath, but he wasn't breaking the Sabbath by working on homework or by plowing a field. He was breaking the Sabbath by bringing healing and restoration and doing good, which was always the intention of Sabbath, right? The intention of Sabbath was freedom, was healing, was salvation, right? So isn't this the whole concept of Sabbath? If anything, he's just doing what Sabbath was intended for. And every time, so Jesus was accused of breaking the Sabbath multiple times in the, Old, in the New Testament by the Pharisees, who were really just trying to kill him. Um, and those instances were always him healing someone, him delivering someone from demons, or one time, he, him and his disciples broke off a, grain, a piece of grain and ate it. And they were like, you broke the Sabbath, you worked, which is kind of the equivalent of saying, You drove to get fast food on Sabbath and driving is work, so you're sinning, right? Like, that's a little extreme. And to which he was like, go read the Old Testament. David stole bread from the temple. Like, y'all are ridiculous. So um, he, Jesus never condemned the practice of Sabbath all through the Old Testament. What he condemned was religious leaders being too legalistic about the specific practices of Sabbath, while not letting the Sabbath be a time of freedom and healing, which was its original intent. So now that we've kind of talked about what Sabbath is in the Old Testament, how Jesus viewed Sabbath and kind of the way that he treated Sabbath, you might be sitting here thinking like, okay, great. Yeah, thanks, Alicia. Uh, Haven't done Sabbath in like years, and now I feel like a terrible person, right? And I just want to say that's okay. Like you are not, our culture and Christian culture even does not talk about Sabbath. 
and it's not something that we teach often. Um, and so it's not on you, okay, if you didn't realize the importance of it and you haven't been practicing it, okay? So I just want to take that guilt off yourself, okay? That's why we're talking about it tonight. Um, but through the years, I've really come to realize that Sabbath isn't just a command. It really is a gift from the Lord. Um, can you imagine what it must have felt like for the first generation who was commanded to take Sabbath? Like, they had been slaves for generations. And they literally never got a day off. And actually, as they went further in slavery, Pharaoh actually just kept increasing their workload over and over and over again to the point that he was like, these Jews, they're growing in numbers, they're getting really strong, let's just keep piling work on them so that they won't be too strong that they'll overtake us. So they had a terrible, terrible slave owners for generations. And can you imagine what it would have felt like for God to say, I command for you to take a day off? I'm not only going to give you a day off, I'm saying you are not allowed to work one day a week. That wouldn't have been condemnation. That wouldn't have been hard to follow. That would have been freedom, right? And, uh, and no one can ever command you to work on that day. Even if you're their servant, you're, they're not allowed to tell you that you have to work. Like the whole culture was given this gift of a day off. And so Sabbath is just that. Like, a gift given, not a command to be meticulously obeyed. It was never intended to be heavy-handed. It was intended to be a gift. Because we don't just get Sabbath when we deserve it or when we've worked hard enough to earn it. It's a command of God whether we got everything done or we didn't. He's not concerned with your productivity as much as he is about your health. And he wants to give you rest. In Scripture, he says, "'My burden is easy and light.'" And uh, he's commanding this of us, I think, because he knows we won't let ourselves off the hook when it comes to working too much. I really think he loves us enough to save us from our own ambition. And um, a Christian teacher named Winky Prattney argues that God's laws are a description of reality, right? Um, so Andrew talked about this at the beginning of the year. If you haven't listened to it, you can go back and listen to it on our podcast. Um, but God made the world, and he knows how the world should run. And he knows what will and won't work, what's going to hurt us, what's going to be good for us, um, because he made all of us. And uh, one of the missionaries to India, one of the first missionaries to India named E. Stanley Jones said this. He said, the moral laws of the universe are deeply embedded in the constitution of things. We do not break them. We break ourselves upon them. Which is, means that like God's laws aren't something we can break trivially. They're actually, they will break us if we don't follow them. So like Andrew said at the beginning of the year, like the law of gravity is a scientific law that we all kind of know and understand, right? So thanks to Parker who rescued me and brought this egg that I forgot. This is Greg. This is our friend named Greg. Hey, Greg. Greg the egg, okay? And Greg is like, man, gravity, I mean, I guess it's kind of true, but like it's not a big deal, if I just break it a little bit, like just a little bit. And so he's like, I think I'm going to test this right here. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to get low, like not, not a big break. Just, I'm just going to kind of break it. Okay. He's still technically intact, but he's hurt a little bit, but he's like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're good. We'll do it again. And then he's just going to keep kind of testing it. Maybe get a little higher. Like, oh, I think I can do, I think I can do a little more here. Oh, what will Greg do? He gone. 
he's dead, he's dead, right? Like he hurt himself, okay? And, and this is like just an image for the fact that we can think that laws are not actually laws. We can think that we're more powerful than the laws of God, but the reality is when we try to outrun the, world's, the, the, the laws of God, when we try to not do things God's way, it's not like we're cheating the system. The way God intended for the world to work is always the way that God's world is supposed to work. And I really believe that, um, that Sabbath is one of these. Sabbath is one of the laws of God that's written into the rhythms of the world. When you look at harvest, you look at seasons of, of harvesting and planting, and then you look at seasons where there's nothing growing. You have winter, you have summer, right? You have seasons and cycles. God wrote rest into the rhythms of the way the world is supposed to work. And when we don't live into those rhythms, we will break ourselves. And, uh, and God knows this because he knows how he created everything. He's not a tyrant. He's not like, man, take a day off and I'll make you do more in those six days. No, God can make it work in that he can do more with your six days than that seven day. Like that seventh day, he can get more done in six days than you could in seventh because he knows how this works. Okay, um, and I've, I have found too for myself as someone who's followed God for a lot of years that this is one way, Sabbath is one way that I can learn and like measurably grow my trust in God. So like how often can you actually grow your, or quantify your trust, right? Like you're like, hmm, Lord, I think I'm about 10% trusting you with my future. And last week I was eight. So I think we're really doing well here, right? Uh, I, I think I'm 20% trusting you that you'll bring me the right spouse or that you'll take care of my kids. Like we can't quantify that, right? We're just like, I, th- I think I'm trusting you with that, but we can't quantify it. Now, I do feel like Sabbath is one area that we can quantify our trust in God. We can measure, I am trusting you with one calendar day of my week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and practice this practice of Sabbath and know that over time it will get easier. And I will grow my trust in you. I have found that in my life, Sabbath and tithing are the only two areas that I have been able to quantify my trust in God where I'm saying, I am trusting you this percent of my week or this percent of my income. And it helps us to grow trust. I'm stealing this quote from Lydia, who shared it a few weeks ago in her sermon from Jackie Hill Perry. It says, if God is holy, he can't sin. If God can't sin, then he can't sin against me. And if God can't sin against me, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? And and I just say that to say, trust God. Trust that he knows what's best for you, that he wants what's best for you. And he's a good father that's telling you, you have the freedom to take a day off. I'm allowing you to take a day off, okay? Trust him. Okay, so we've talked about like Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Sabbath is a gift, really more than a command, right? So let's talk through the practicals. How do we actually practically, you're like, okay, cool. So what does this mean? Do I just like sit in a room and like turn on worship music all day and don't move? Like that doesn't sound very fun. If we're being honest, like I'm a pastor and I don't think that sounds fun. So the practicals of Sabbath are a few things. First of all, don't work. No work, no schoolwork, no actual work. Um, what is work to you? So I want you right now to think in your brain, what is work to you? If you're a student, that's studying. If you're, you know, like, what is work to you? Don't do that. That's the first premise of the command of Sabbath. 
And I would personally argue, like, no catching up on all the things that you haven't gotten done during the week. Like, we can quickly turn Sabbath into, now it's just my catch-up day of, like, all the things that I should have done but didn't, right? But actually, don't work. Like, give yourself time off, okay? Um, I would say number two is intentionally connect with God intentionally connect with God. So I don't think this is all day of Sabbath that you have to just be like reading your Bible for 12 hours straight. Um, But I do think that this is an intentional part of connecting with God. So um, read the Bible a little bit longer that day. For me personally, it's like the the days of the week are more like quick. I don't have as much time to just sit and read the Bible or worship or things like that. But on Sabbath, I'll spend a little bit of extra time. Um, Maybe I'll turn on worship music and like do something creative or whatever, but like reflecting and meditating on scripture or reading a book that's teaching you more about God or spending a little bit of extra time worshiping and listening to a worship album or something like that. Um, so spending time with God is a piece of Sabbath and intentionally connecting with him. The next thing is intentionally connect with others. Intentionally connect with others. So some, sometimes I think in, in Christian culture, we think that the only holy thing you can do is like read the Bible, worship, or pray, right? Um, and I would just challenge you if that's your view, I want you to shift your perspective a little bit on that. Like God, um, when we live in the fullness of who we're created to be, we honor God. And, and like in all the areas of our lives that aren't in contradiction to his commands, we are able to glorify God through all of that. Okay, so um, when we live in relationship with other people, other believers especially, like we are doing a holy thing. Um, scripture says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And it also says that the world will know your followers of Jesus by your love for one another. And so when we're loving each other, we're doing something that's glorifying God. And when we're loving other people, whether they're Christians or not, it's not like, oh, well, don't hang out with any non-Christians on Sabbath. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is being in relationship and living in friendship is a holy thing. And it's a good thing. Um, So hanging out with your friends. Like, we as Christians should have the strongest and best friends. Uh, And when we have fun together, according to scripture, it can be worship to God. He is with you in that. The next one, sleep. Sleep. Hallelujah. Everyone said hallelujah, right? Amen. I spend a lot of time sleeping on Sabbath. Like, we have young kids, and, like, Andrew and I will literally trade. Like, it'll be like, okay, I'm going to go nap. Wake me up when you need a break. And then, like, one of us is watching the kids, and one of us is napping, and then I, like, go, and I'm like, trade, tag, you're it. Like, and so we'll just, like, go and nap. Like, so maybe it's napping. Maybe it's sleeping in late. Maybe it's, like, going to bed early or whatever it is for you. But, like, God intended for Sabbath to be physical rest as well as spiritual, Okay, so get the physical rest your body needs. Catch up. Use it as a day to catch up. The next one is have fun. Okay, so I talked about this back in September. Um, So if you missed that, you can definitely go check it out on the podcast as well. But what is fun to you? What is fun to you? Um, Is it like playing board games? Are you a creative person? Uh, Do you love poetry or painting or athletics and sports? Like what is life giving to you? We as a culture have a really low view of fun, right? Like we think that hobbies are like frivolous or lazy. Like, oh man, just really lazy and artsy and non-driven people have hobbies. It's like, that's not fair. That's not true. Because um, God intends for us to live in joy as his followers. In, Psalm, uh, in Psalms 139, 13 and 14, it says that God designed 
every part of you on purpose and with intention. So the things that bring you life, the things that are fun to you, God put that in you, okay? So like maybe you love sports and competing in athletics. Like you just have so much fun playing like soccer or basketball or whatever it is. Like you can honor and glorify God by just doing the things that you're good at or the things that you love. Like he may not intend for you to be like a total jerk in the middle of doing it. Like you don't have to like kick someone in the shins, right? Like that's probably not glorifying to God. But, but when you do the things that God created you to do and you do them in joy, you're worshiping God. And so maybe for you it's like creative expression and you love painting or you love dancing or poetry or whatever it is. Like God put that in you and God intends for you to use it. And when you use it with the intent of glorifying him, you're doing a holy thing. So I know for me, I go to an art museum, not the modern. Let's be honest, modern art, I just can't get behind it. I don't understand it at all. But when I go to an art museum that has like landscapes or like different things that are more recognizable art to me, um, I know for me, I really sometimes feel almost like worship. Like I feel in awe of God and of his creation as I look at different paintings of his world. And it really can be like this. I, I leave it sometimes. I'm like, man, I feel like I just like worshiped God in an art museum. It's super cool. So for you, maybe that's the same. But here's the cool thing is you cannot only honor and glorify God by doing the painting, you can also help others to honor and glorify God by looking at your art or by reading your poetry or by listening to your songs, okay? We can do these things for the glory of God. So as you do the things you love, thank God for them. So I literally will be like, man, God, thank you for this hike. This is, this is bringing me so much life. I love seeing your creation. Thank you for creating the world. It's a moment that I'm worshiping and glorifying God and that I'm connecting with him as I'm just doing something that I enjoy. So I want to share a couple of, oh, and one last thing. If you don't even know what your hobbies are, if you're sitting here like, yeah, that's really cool. I don't know. Like, what even are my hobbies? Uh, I would just say, that's okay. Try them. So ask your friend, like, hey, what do you do for fun? And then be like, I'm going to join you. And then you can be like, nope, that's not it. Don't like it. But try the next friend. Be like, next friend, what do you like? Because I didn't like that one, right? But just move, like, find your hobbies and, and have some time to figure out what has God put in me that I really enjoy doing that's not work. So I've got a couple of quotes from some students. Um, and first of all, it's Michelle. She's right here. But she said, I asked her, like, why did you start practicing Sabbath? She said, I think one thing that led me to start practicing Sabbath is that it's so contrary to my nature as someone who worries about everything. But I knew it would be good for my soul. I think it's been good at helping me understand the importance of actually resting and listening to my body, whether that be spiritual needs or physical needs. And as simple as it sounds, it's also helped me to realize the importance of fun, even if that's just means spending extra time with friends. The next one is uh, Zoe. She said, I decided to start trying to practice Sabbath because college can be exhausting, and the idea of rest sounded really good to me. How many of you feel that? Yeah, that actually sounds really good. Um, It's easy for me to get caught up in the cycle of always doing things, so I had to learn that rest takes discipline. Sometimes it can be hard to stop and set a day aside for Sabbath, but I've learned that God is always trustworthy to provide for me. As I've practiced this, God has taught me that Sabbath is a time to rest and enjoy the good things that he has given me. Overall, I'm so grateful to have Sabbath as a part of my life. It's taught me that school isn't meant to be my number one priority and that God cares about who I am far more than he cares about what I do. 
right? And the last one, Asia, we miss her. We miss her. She's, she graduated last year and moved up to Wisconsin, that punk. But um, I decided to start practicing, practicing Sabbath after coming to the realization that it is seen all over Scripture and that it's in the Ten Commandments. Everything God has commanded of us has a purpose. So I decided to dig into the purpose of Sabbath. A quote that I think sums up the reasoning behind Sabbath is, you can't pour from an empty cup. cup. Meaning, in order to love and serve others the way Jesus would, I have to make sure I'm taking care of myself and my soul first. Sabbath is a way to do this. Since practicing Sabbath, I have seen a drastic shift in my peace, joy, and ability to love others. I'm less irritable and more willing to give grace to others. I feel more refreshed and ready to take on the week. Practicing Sabbath has been a great addition to my walk with Jesus. So these are all students that began to practice Sabbath or are practicing Sabbath or are learning to practice Sabbath in the same shoes you're in right now. Okay, so I know sometimes it's like, yeah, but I'm a student. Like, they're, they're working on it just like you are, okay? Um, and you may be sitting here and you're like, okay, a whole day? There's no way. I can't do a whole day, right? Um, and I personally am a firm believer in a 24-hour Sabbath, uh, just because it's what's actually listed in Scripture. But more than that, I'm a firm believer in starting somewhere. I'm a firm believer in starting somewhere, okay? So what can you do? What can you trust God with? What could you start with and maybe work your way up to a full day? Um, so the only thing that I would add to this is make it a pattern. Um, so maybe you're like, I think I could maybe start with a half day or just an afternoon or four hours. What this doesn't look like is like, oh, hey, I'm done with my work. I guess I could take Sabbath for this two hours. That's not how it works, okay? Uh, this is kind of this idea of like, I am intentionally choosing this time. So what this looks like is at the beginning of your week saying, I'm going to take this four hours on Saturday afternoon, and I'm not going to do any work. And so it's an intentional practice, and it's a regular practice. So maybe you're like, dude, I really seriously can't start with the whole day. That's okay. What can you start with? And then maybe can you add it, add to it? So like regularly do four hours, two hours, whatever it is. And then, you know, in, a, in two weeks, add an hour. In two weeks, add an hour. Get to the point that you're getting more and more time off. And here's the thing that I will add. God said work six days okay like God loves work God designed for us to work even before we fell from the garden God intended for man to work work is not bad work glorifies God too overwork is what is bad okay overwork is what's bad for our souls so work isn't bad but God wants us to take time off but whatever you do don't let 24 hours being too daunting keep you from starting to practice Sabbath okay so I want you real quick, as we wrap up, paint. I'm going to paint a picture for you. I want you to close your eyes. I just want to like have you imagine something in your mind. Imagine having one day per week, a whole day, that was devoted to resting in God. That was devoted to the idea that like we're fully human and we can't do it all. And God intended to make us that way. God did that on purpose. God's okay with you being human. Imagine a day filled with friends, hobbies, worship, sleeping in, naps, dates with your significant other or spouse, playing with your pets or your kids. God designed you the way that you are designed, and God designed you to need a break. 
He isn't thrown off by that. And this is the way that we as followers of Jesus should live with this time, this day of joy, of rest, to just breathe, okay? So you can open your eyes. Here's what I want us to do. Um, Before we hop into discussion questions for just a second, I want us to uh, pull up your phone and I want you to look at the following week, calendar week, and I want you to plan a time that you're going to take some Sabbath. How long will it be? What day will it be? When will it start and end? Okay, so I'm going to give you a few, I'm going to give you about a minute to look through your calendar and kind of pick a day. Um, could you guys stand for just a second? I'm not going to re-preach her sermon, but uh, I was talking to, so Alicia traveled and preached this sermon to another group of students last week in San Angelo, Texas, and uh, Wednesday morning, the morning after she preached, I was, we had prayed, uh, I'd prayed with our three kids for mommy as she went and preached, and, uh, and I said, I told the kids on Wednesday morning, driving them to school, like, hey, mommy preached a sermon, and she did, it, she said it went really well. And my oldest, Asher, he's six, and he was like, what did she, what did she preach about? And I was like, she told students about Sabbath, and it went really well, buddy. He's like, wait, what? Students don't know about Sabbath? Daddy, that is the most important day of the week. How do they not know about Sabbath? And this is what he said. I had to, I wrote it down. I sent it to Alicia. Yeah. I said, I asked him like, why is it the best day, buddy? Why is it the most important day? He said, that's the best day of the week because we don't have schoolwork and we have pizza night and we're all together as a family and we play games and we have fun. I don't get much time with you and mommy, but on Sabbath, we get a whole day together. It's like a weekly Christmas but without the drama of like having to buy gifts and crazy uncles and you know all this stuff. That's what God wants for us. And if we'll implement it, if you're like me and it was like really tough and someone has to be like, you need to do this, over time, it really does become a thing that you're just like, I cannot wait for Sabbath. It's the best. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.